Podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer90.com. MLS decision day is here. Soccer90.com has the deals to make sure you're outfitted and ready to go. Starting on Friday, May 20th, get 40% off on all MLS apparel. Man, that's 40%. That's fantastic. That includes FC Dallas gear, jerseys, scarves, tees, hats, and more. The sale ends on Sunday, so it's Decision Day sale. 40% off. That's ridiculous. And then all their merchandise, still get 20% off when you use code third degree at checkout. Some exclusions do apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode number 233, 233 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, and we are once again without the very, very social social butterfly-like Dan Crook, who is, I don't even know where Dan is. He's probably just busy being Dan. Uh, So that means it is your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, Editor and founder of ThirdDegree.net and the OG Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. I have a small story to tell you. I've been ruined. Uh, what? I uh, ruined. I've been ruined. You've and, been uh, ruined? Okay. Ruined. Uh, yeah. Someone, and I won't say the name just in case they don't want their name out there, gave me tickets to sit in the upper deck of the Hall of Fame suites down there at the south end of the stadium in the upper level. Have oh yes, I know. I've n- I don't even think I've been up there. Yeah, let's just say that those seats up there have ruined me because not because of the viewing angle, because of the seat. It oh. has a six-inch cushion <laughs> on it, and it's about four inches wider than all the seats in the rest of the stadium, and it's about four inches deeper than all the seats in the rest of the stadium. They are magnificent have you uh contacted your ticket representative to uh move your season tickets for next season i am thinking about it really the the viewing angle is terrible but the seating is so much better for a person like me that i don't understand what that means buzz what do you mean a person like you it means i don't weigh 100 pounds peter oh okay well i don't either well yeah you would really like it i'm telling you Mm, okay it's so it's a cushioned bigger seat it's a bigger wider deeper cushioned and right behind you is like a bar and food area with hardly anybody in it because it serves just that upper deck oh wow! so it is so sweet and so nice and i was really jealous sitting there uh except the viewing angle was wrong for me so i actually won't ever sit there but yeah i don't think i is i you could give me a a barca lounger and i don't know if i'd sit in the end zone (laughs) to watch a soccer match i just can't do that well, they're trying to get people to sit there because that seat is phenomenal, and I'm I'm ruined. Does it I'm make a, me Does it make me a bad FC Dallas fan if I admit to you that after all this time, I still have yet to walk through the Hall of Fame? Uh it doesn't make you a bad FC Dallas fan, but I'm surprised by that because I thought, as a soccer guy, I thought you would have checked it out by now. I, I yeah, I you know, I it's d- cool. It's not for any particular reason. I just haven't done it. I don't know. I would well, think that I would have by now too, but I haven't. I will say that like this whole, this experience idea where it has these things, which I think are probably tailored for a younger audience where you kick a ball and you, you can put yourself in a picture with a pro game. Like you pretend like you're heading it and they insert you in. You Do you get to stick it. your head through a hole and pretend to be Paxton Pomacall <laughs> for a photo? 
<laughs> no, oh, you could you could get a picture with Pax and Pomical that way. Oh, where you're okay. in the picture, like <laughs> you put yourself in the wall, like that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to me personally. But I understand why the kids like it. But once you get through that part and you get into the actual exhibits, man, they got some really cool stuff in there. Yeah, so, I'm sure they do. And I'm sure at one point, I think the story goes: I tried to go once during a game day, only to find out it's closed. <laughs> yeah, during yeah. game day, which makes zero sense to me. But I'm sure there's perfectly good reasons yeah. why they don't open it on game day but i know i haven't been and i only well, thought about that when you said it was uh where you said you sat and i assume you have to go through that to get to those seats uh no 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 uh, oh okay the side door basically oh oh the side who did you get <laughs> yeah. tickets from you know i know people i know you do yeah fancy well, pants uh what i would say to you peter about the hall of fame is that next time you have a visitor in town that is a soccer person you know, not even on a game day, just be like, hey, you might think this is cool. Because, I mean, they would, I, th- I think. You know, they yeah. got hundreds of years of history is cool stuff in there. I mean, it's not a full-blown museum. It's just, you know, 30, 40, 50 little exhibits maybe, depending on how what you count as an exhibit. You know, some of them are just like inlaid in the floor in the bar kind of section. But, you know, they got World Cups, trophies. They got yeah, you know, you know, ancient that's a good co- gear. Oh. And, yeah. You know, we're trying to get Lars into town. Yes, there you go. Soon. And I wonder if that would... I wonder if that's something Lars would be into. Uh, maybe hmm. I would think so. He's a soccer guy, right? Oh, total soccer guy. But I yeah. just don't know what his level. I mean, he's Norwegian that lives in London. I don't know what his interest in American soccer history is. I, I mean, yeah. Um, and well, they, they have like they have like a jersey from the World Cup down in Brazil when the U.S. finished third. Yeah. They have like a winner's medal from or participants' medal from like the first ever World Cup, and they have. Like All right. a British cap from when they actually gave out caps. I mean, they got some cool historic stuff. I do think it's a problem that the most comfortable seats in the stadium are in a mm. really crummy viewing point. Like the best, like you'd think that the 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 best seats, physical seats in the house, would be in the most expensive, <laughs> best angled position. You know, best position to watch the game from. Well, I imagine that it's an upsell to try and get you to buy the tickets back there. You know, I mean, I'm sure that's what the thinking is. And maybe the suites above us all are uh, back on a seat too. They could, yeah, maybe. Just, man, it's nice. Hmm. All right. Well, I didn't intend for this episode, Buzz, to kick off with uh, Buzz's seat <laughs> advice at the stadium. What I really wanted to start off with is the news that we got today. We're recording this on Wednesday. Ah. It is time for the annual MLS salary output, the data dump. Well, this is the update dump. This is the update dump, the one for the second half of the year that's got everybody's head spinning over the messy dollars. But can we all just take a moment to just appreciate and honor and recognize the fact that Oscar Perea is a gosh darn real life wizard? (laughs) Isn't he? Unbelievable. The lowest salary wage bill in the league. He has, aren't they second in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I believe so. Un and I think they barely yes, I, have. I think they have barely one person making over a million bucks or something ridiculous, and that's like the goalkeeper. I think I'm saying that correctly. I mean, it's un it's unreal the return the Orlando owners are getting out of Oscar Pereira and uh, down there, and it also just reminds us of what we all knew 
over the course of time here in Dallas is that dude just continued to make lemonade out of lemons of a roster, and he's doing it again in Orlando, maybe even more so now than he was when he was here in Dallas. Yeah, they have one guy in over a million, and he's only over a million based on like incentives and stuff, not on base salary. He's only 700 base salary. They got one guy at nine and one guy at 840, and then they got a bunch of dudes, a couple of dudes at six something. You know, so you know, Dallas probably has probably eight or nine guys more expensive than most of this roster, the highest guy on the roster. You know, that's ridiculous. So, my question is if you put Perea on a club that actually spent money, Mm. and I'm not talking about Dallas, what could he? I mean, is it weird to think that he would just immediately put together an MLS winning side? I mean, I don't, you'd have to think so. I mean, it's probably the reason he's allowed himself to become a free agent at the end of the season. You know, I yeah. mean, oh, that's uh, he's right. Have, he, he's yeah, out of contract, isn't he? Staff, and they can't get him. To, yeah. Which is also obviously spurned a lot of conversation uh, uh, that we've had on the Discord of late about that exact thing yeah. as it relates to Nico based on some of the, uh, not on some, on all the results of late, which we'll get into in just a second. Well, I can't imagine that Oscar Perea won't have multiple bidders at this point. You know, I mean, why, why would he not from MLS teams alone? You know, like there's got to be five or six teams looking for a coach, you know, come off season. And, you know, and if you're a coach like this, you don't let yourself get in this situation unless you're considering a move or uh, listen, I don't speak for the man or you're or you want something specific from your team. I'm not going to re up with you unless you give me X, Y, Z. You know, he learned that in Dallas, you know, so I, it won't surprise me to see him stay. But it also would surprise me to see that the minute they're eliminated, here comes five offers for people to think they're going to get him, you know. Yeah, I mean, one of those big spending clubs. Ha- yeah, I mean, could you imagine him at one of the two yeah. LA Galaxy clubs? Well, give some credit to Muzi too, who was here and went there with Oscar, you know, or went there and then hired Oscar, whichever one you want to say. You know, he's he's part of putting this roster together with relatively low with salaries nothing. and yeah, and finding talent at, at numbers that are remarkable. You know, so what are the open pos- what are what are the open positions in the league now? And what are the likely ones at the end of the season? So Minnesota's open. DC. DC, Colorado. Is Montreal uh, open? I don't, no. I don't really remember. I don't remember. No, LA know. might be open. Would Vanny yeah. be out in LA? Possibly. Yeah. God, could you? Oh, I am so frightened of the idea of Oscar Perea being the coach of the Galaxy. I know. That would Austin stink. Was cons- they thought about it, but they, they're saying they're keeping their guy for now. Yeah, you know, I mean, if Dallas misses, I mean, we've talked. You know, about it. but the guy know. that's at Wolf's boss ha- is very making sure everybody knows that he's <laughs> been around the block and he knows yeah. what a good coach looks <laughs> like. So he is uh, thrown his he's thrown his credentials down on the desk. Uh, yeah, so it's a, this will be fascinating to see where Oscar ends up. I can't imagine he's staying in Orlando. Not without assurances. I, he had a quote the other day that they trust their ownership which I think was an implication of, okay, you know, we're ante up. <laughs> now, wait, uh, because I'm so far behind on this, none of the other, like the new San Diego club doesn't start next year, does it? I don't think it's next year. I think they got It's a, the year um, after. I can't remember what's ha- if there's one coming next year or not. Wow. Well, we'll just have to keep our eye on that because uh, I, I just now am remembering that Oscar's out of contract um, because I was so dizzied <laughs> by the realization that he's got the he's got Orlando performing as well as he does on such tiny amount of dollars. 
I mean, yeah. it's it's funny. Lionel Messi alone. <laughs> what is that number? Hold 20. on. He's on. Okay. And what is their total wage bill? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I didn't add it up. I mean, his well, base I, is 12, but like all the other ways he makes compensation just inside the league, it's 20. And that doesn't include Apple and no. Adidas. So, and, no, no. So Lionel Messi alone is making twice as much money as Orlando City's entire wage bill. They're at 9.6. He's making over $20 million just in pure dollars alone, not, not including any of the other ancillary crap they've given him. That's unbelievable. 2x Perea's entire wage bill. Yeah, and if you're San Diego and you're coming in in 2025 and you know that that uh, Oscar coached at Cholos in Tijuana. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm just saying. I No, I think If you want to throw your checkbook down, I'm just saying, yeah. Because I don't know what, Red, I don't know what uh, Red Bull's coaching situation is like. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I, sure Charlotte's probably okay. I was not prepared to have this dialogue about who's a bailout. Yeah, sorry, know. I didn't mean to throw it no, at no, you. No, no, it's okay. I just hadn't really thought about it. NYCFC might Portland, be available. To Portland. Chicago might be available. Portland, Portland right? Isn't Portland out of manager? Didn't they? They fired Savarese. They haven't replaced him, have they? I don't know, man. I don't, again, I wasn't. And the Revolution? Yeah, Revolution have an interim coach. Yeah, that was a job that might be available. He played oh, there even for five minutes. Good for Oscar. Yeah. Good for Oscar. So, of course, when you start looking and realizing at all these numbers and stuff that came out today, and while you're distracted by the miracle that is Oscar Perea, you do begin to realize that Dallas uh, once again sits pretty squarely dead center in the pack buzz yeah. uh, at $14.7 million in terms of spending. And again, just to make sure everybody understands, if you don't understand how this works, all of these numbers are calculated based on some a little bit of guesswork, but it's all everybody's working off the same set of guesses. So I think we all feel like these are all fair, fairly accurate and at least consistent from top to bottom on how they're built. So you get a real sense of who's spending what relative to other clubs. I think yeah. that's the best way to say it, right? Bruce? Yeah, if there's an inaccuracy, it's only just like, uh, you know, like a failed reporting to the PA, uh, you know, that comes in late. I think there's an example of that here with Dallas we'll talk about in a second. You know, it, it could be things like that. They're all within a correct ballpark of where they're supposed to be. You know, what counts is like a bonus or a guaranteed comp. And like the th other thing to remember that's important, it's not even important to talk about why, is that to understand that these aren't 100% the cap numbers. Cap numbers are very different than some of these because they can include things like your buy price, or bonuses or things like that. So they give us a loose skyline, a framework to talk about the general composition of these clubs and where they are in terms of compared to each other with a single source of information. So it's quality in that regard. Any surprises out of the numbers for Dallas specifically for you? Well, the important one to talk about is that um, we were pretty harsh on the legit extension when they first got reported in the first salary dump because it had this number that was still a million dollars. And it's been a constant thing of conversation is why in the world would you extend a guy and not for a reduced number? Why would you do it at the same number he was already on? That makes no sense at all. Particularly when you talk about a guy that's 30 years old. Well, there's been an adjustment now. So now his base is listed at $700,000 instead of what was basically a million dollars. So that's $300,000 difference. Well, okay, now that's a number that makes sense in terms of an extension. So, you know, whoever had reported it or not reported it or whatever, they now, hopefully this is now the correct information. And now Sebastian Legette's salary makes a whole lot more sense and it's much more palpable. 
So that's Except for the fact that he's been terrible and hurt for most of the season. No, no, yeah, yeah. The 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 actual execution of what happened to him and the injuries and all that stuff is different than actually the the conversation you have when the deal is done. Does the deal make sense? And it it didn't make sense. Well, now it does make sense. You know, the fact of the matter still is that he didn't play very well this season. He's been hurt a bunch, but that's that's a different conversation. <laughs> you know, that's different than saying what a stupid contract. Now you're saying, oh, it's a shame that happened because the contract is now not a stupid contract. Now it makes sense. I see. So the other ones to talk about are uh, Yarmendi Mindy is reported at 300,000, which is a steal. Well, don't get too excited because that's a prorated half season. So really he's on a $600,000 deal. That's still a steal. <laughs> you have to assume that more than likely the number for next year, if because it's an option, they have to pick up the option. It probably will be higher than that. But anything sort of a million to me on that guy is a steal. So I'm happy to have him at 600,000 for a full season or if it goes up to seven or eight whatever no problem that's facundo money just to put that in perspective right so that's fine uh also on a half season number is uh eugene ansa the the is on 200k which for half so that's 400 again that makes him exactly the same player as obreon in salary so that's obvious what's happening there um and then frazier is the last one the new uh, kid from the new canadian kid is on 130 Good value, good solid number, bottom of the roster piece. That's very normal. That's less than people like Tuomasi get. That's basically like what a high-priced homegrown gets, you know, who hardly plays. So that's good value money there. That's kind of where Junka probably – well, that's actually more than Junka gets amazingly, which just shows you how good Junka's contract is. So those are the four that are different from earlier in the year. We always have that information on third degree. You can always go look it up there. But um, So those are those are all pretty normal prices. Yeah, many good price. Legit, better price. It all makes more sense now that that number's been corrected. So, sorry, I was looking at the numbers, and I'm, I'm I apologize if you mentioned yeah. this. Uh, pause at three hundred thousand seems pretty ridiculous. Yeah, we, we we knew that already, though. We knew that that was a steal of a value. That's phenomenal value. Yeah, that that'll be the thing that you'll have to adjust if you want to try and keep him, because mm-hmm. you're gonna have to pay him more money to get him to stick around. Now that is pretty much what they pay keepers around here. We've not really had a keeper get paid much more than that. So, you know, you can look at Jimmy's number, for example, for comparison. But nonetheless, you know, the way he's performing, you'll almost certainly have to give him, you know, extension to get him to agree to stay because somebody will come around and offer him more money the way he's playing. Some European team probably. So you'll have to, you know, adjust that, I would imagine. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, anything Listen, else? The, the, the salaries are going to come up more. As we get into the offseason, we talk about who we want to keep and who we don't want to keep and the value of things like, you know, roster slots. And, you know, you can kind of consider sometimes these numbers of that's a starter money, that's backup money. Like Nikosi, by the way, is on backup money. You can look at what Ibiaga's deal is. That's the base, you know, of starter money. So obviously, in my opinion, there needs to be an adjustment. Even though Nikosi, I think, just got a new extension recently, it was when he was a backup. You know, you'll have to make an adjustment there. He's on 240. That's too low for him. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it all is part of the process. You know, Giovanni's an interesting number because he's a he's a, one of those U22 initiatives. So his cap hits only 250,000, which is actually what he gets paid. So that's weird. I was expecting him to get paid more than that, you know, but maybe there's an escalator there because he has a long-term deal. I mean, it goes out to like 2026 or something. So um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into these numbers more as we talk about roster building in the winter. Well, I think one of the other things that comes out of what uh, uh, was released today in the mix of all the messy stuff is some clarity around how Miami was able to 
do this insane rebuild in the middle of the season and literally jump their salary wage bill 108 i think it's 118 percent from one month to the other and the athletic wrote a really good article today because this goes back to the uh, conversation that you dan and i were having back at the time which is how is miami pulling this off and why isn't every other club in the Mm -hmm. league specifically dallas doing something similar when they clearly have all these roster issues and i do think there's some clarity as to the reality that miami and chris henderson essentially just made a bunch of maneuvers that a probably most owners aren't willing to do and b i just think took a level of creativity everybody else just wasn't capable of i mean i i don't see anything in the miami stuff so far that looks like they did anything that was way out of bounds of the rules in other words no they set themselves up for multiple years to be able to do all that stuff and they were able to jettison dps to make room for messy and you can look at Busquets and Jordi Alba. Those numbers are numbers you can buy down with Tam and Gam, right? The, right? They're both technically DPs, I'm sure. But you can make them not be DPs. Like if you wanted to go out and get another DP, you could with this roster. You know, all these guys are bought down by Tam Gam. And the bottom line is they're convincing people to play for less than they could get other places. Mm-hmm. Jordi Alba on a million. I mean, that dude could get more than that somewhere else if he wanted. Well, to. I, I think the I think one of the things I read today is that that's bolstered by the fact that he got a bunch of cash from Barcelona for not uh, yeah. for walking away. Sure. So he's essentially living off his Barcelona money, and this is just what he uses to buy dinner at night in Miami, I guess, yeah. for the season. And, and, it, and it's helpful if you're trying to get guys in under certain numbers. Hey, you get to play with Messi. Oh, that's true. Okay, yes, I will take five hundred thousand. You know what I mean? It's like. You know, that's a, that's a negotiating value there. <laughs> sure, but I guess the I think the conversation that we're going to end up having at the when it becomes uh, the off season, and we're all going to keep an eye on this is where what's the temperature at the headquarters and with the ownership group to suddenly accelerate spending dramatically? Yeah, because there's so much interest in all of this stuff going on, especially in the lead up to the World Cup here in 26. And which owners are going to go along? And if, in fact, there's an agreement that we're going to do this, who's going along with it and who's not? Yeah, you'll see, of course, that the salary cap will continue to inch up, but you'll see more and more teams, you know, if if Miami is successful, particularly on the field, but off the field, you'll see more and more guys thinking, man, you know, I could could do that. I could do this. And and across the board, of course, Messi will make everybody else's revenue go up. You know, there'll be there'll be revenue streams that'll work like they haven't before for teams across the league. And so maybe owners will want to spend more. There'll just be a slow evolution of the league to continue up this direction. And it may be that the hunts may drop back to, down towards the bottom in terms of being able to keep up with the salary um, as other teams begin to escalate. It'll be yeah. something to really watch over the next few years. Yeah, except here's the problem. When yeah. you bring this up to, uh, to Clark Hunt, he's going to pull out this folded piece of paper <laughs> in his wallet with this chart on it, and he's going to point to the fact that at the bottom of the spend are Orlando City in second, Montreal, which is a playoff team, and St. Louis City, which won the Western Conference in its debut season, Uh, and the Philadelphia Union, Vancouver Whitecaps. I mean, it's just pretty ridiculous how the level of performance is capable for teams that aren't spending. Although, to be fair, the only team really on that in that list that is of note uh, are St. Louis and Orlando City at nine point six and eleven point one uh, on a total. Well, you know, it brings you brings you back to the discussion that what matters is talent evaluation. Yes, it and does. Not spend. So, like, if you can't hit, 
on all your signings, you're not going to be good. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. There goes, <laughs> there goes Toronto <laughs> FC. Yeah. And FC Dallas is where they should be. And the Galaxy. And, the Galaxy. And, yeah. and Chicago. And, all, and yeah. Austin. Yeah. And all well, these teams that didn't make the playoffs that are in the top of the, of the yeah. Uh, spend. Yeah, There's a value to spending money. But if you're not good at identifying how to spend it, it doesn't matter how much you spend. Like we just talked about Orlando and Muzi and Oscar spending it in a way to give them a second place in the East team. If you gave them a whole boatload of money, I'm sure those guys would still be very good at talent identification. I mean, how many times has Oscar drafted a forward now that out of college that's become a gangbuster? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and here's the here's the funny part out of all of this buzz is that for all of the differences that people point out about how MLS is run compared to the rest of the so, uh, uh, global soccer entity, that truism holds true in all of those other leagues, too. It's not how much you spend. It's how you spend. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Okay. Well, of course, as uh, mentioned, a lot of this conversation about Oscar and uh, what's going to happen with his future was discussed at length inside Buzz's Discord. For those uh, of you curious who participate in the Discord by being a Patreon of Buzz, and frankly, if you're not doing that, it makes me question just how curious you really are. But that's a different conversation mm. for another day. Uh, but of course, that did bring us back to the whole point of why that conversation was taking place in the first place was because on Saturday's result, the penultimate game of the season, the final home game of the season, not super well attended, I might note, mm. uh, Dallas won Colorado Rapids nemesis bogey team one boring man Oof. that was a tough game to watch did you almost fall asleep in your comfy chair buzz <laughs> <laughs> well the comfy chair wasn't the Colorado game but oh, I did almost fall okay. asleep in my chair yeah it yeah. was a boring game yeah you know I was uh cuddled up with my uh better half uh you know heavy jackets on and our little my little ski cap because it was cold for my uh Texas butt so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a snore fest. Is there anything more maddening and frustrating for a fan than when you get to a game of this level of importance, this opportunity to lock in a playoff space, and you end up with a result like this, and the coach comes out and admits publicly, oh, yeah, the team wasn't mentally ready. Yeah. How in the world does that happen? I don't understand it. Well, we ta I talked to him about it today because – I noticed that the last two games he's mentioned, he didn't think they were mentally up for it. Um, and he, we kind of just had a further conversation about it. And it's, he thinks it's mostly due to, um, you know, pressure of the moment, anxiety, frustration, you know, it's, it's just, um, there, it's hard to really put your finger on exactly what it was, but, um, he seemed to think it was more about pressure of the moment, you know, being this feeling like, the whole world's on their shoulders trying to get this point and get in and, and it's not going the way they want it to go and that kind of thing. Uh, so that being said, uh, you know, in terms of the possession, the domination of possession, uh, there's two straight teams that have come in here and, and played a low block, which of course is a problem for them, you know, and there was a, I think that they had plenty of, of opportunities to um, get balls into the box, but the delivery of those things, those balls was not very good. And, Jesus wasn't in there. So that's a problem that they got to solve and figure out. And overall, it just led to a very boring game because basically it was another case where 
the opposition had no interest in the ball. So Dallas just kind of worked the ball around as long as they could. And, with, and without without Yara Mindy in the game, they didn't really have anybody that could break a team down with the ball on the ground, which is the thing he does that nobody else can do. You know, And they were left with Jesus lobbing in an extraordinary number of crosses from uh, not your from your number nine <laughs> to nobody to, to nobody and uh, or to like you know and other people too are guilty of the crosses. I mean, like if you look at Jesus's numbers and you're like if you thought that was your ten or if he was your eight or if he was your right wing, you'd be like well, that is a staggeringly good game. He was amazing, except that he's not playing that position. You know, and there's a, there's a frustration there. It just was a really rough game, and they did not get. So like they they created, they set up chances that could have led to scoring opportunities, but didn't. So like if you look at like shots on target, it was really bad. Shots on goal, really bad. XG, really bad. But but you know he felt like coach did that. Up until those, that part was good. It's just the final bit, and that final bit's been a problem around here for years. You know, and the low block's been a problem Boy, for years. It. You know, it's we've been talking about this for a long time now. Multiple coaches with the same problems. So you know, you just got to keep keep going. You just got to keep fighting and hope that you can. At this point, hope you can get in. So it is. Uh, it is very weird and unusual and frustrating because uh, I, I've talked you. I think we've talked about it here on this podcast before, and I and I certainly have talked about it with Andy on the radio show, which is I just. I do begin to wonder at what point Clark and Dan look at each other as this season plays out and and note take note of the fact that after literally an entire lifetime of being the laughingstock of the league when it comes to attendance and you've finally broken through that wall and regularly packing the place, that now you're starting, at least I'm getting the sense that drone shows ain't cutting it anymore and the fact that you're missing this opportunity of all of these people that you got to come out to the game and have maybe been not super yeah. excited about what they saw on the field and now that there's a game at the end of the season that you can't even like I it just, that's frustrating me and I and it just makes me wonder going back to the other thing that we were just talking about which is where does Nico's how hot is his seat at this point if they don't make the playoffs or even if they do make the playoffs and just go out and won Depends on what you value. You know, I think you're right that the attendance has not been good in the latter half of the summer going into the fall, but that's that trend is usual, right? School starts up, football starts up, all those things. But nonetheless, they failed to capitalize on what was happening in the first half of the season. And before all the injuries, I think Dallas was a lot more entertaining through the first third of the season, maybe the first half of the season, than they were in the back half of the season. Part of that, of course, is that goals are fun, scoring is fun, and scoring is not great on this team. You know, the, the way they play to kind of stifle a game and keep the scoring low both directions is also not particularly fun. They don't play a very sexy brand of football. You know, it's, so like if you're a casual fan that doesn't really know what you're looking at, you can see that they're not scoring and they're not winning. So that's that's kind of boring. And then if you're a fan that doesn't know what you're looking at, you just watch them play. It's not sexy. It's not exciting. It's not fun. You know, the entertainment value is low as, as, as a product, which is not to say that's not what they want, though. Right. Remember when the coach, they, they brought in this coach, Clark and Dan sat, sat there and said the playoffs is the minimum. You know, we can't bleed goals like this. Our defense should be better. They literally hired this, hired this guy to be defensive and to get in the playoffs. So do they care about entertainment value? Do they think that long-term standings, not standings, long-term 
uh, attendance is related to something other than performance on the field. Maybe, I don't know, man. maybe they th- maybe they feel like bits, like yeah. drone shows, or what drive attendance. And maybe that's true. I I, I don't know. I, all I remember when I when I was at the Miami game, not only was it an amazing atmosphere and a night I will never forget for the rest of my life. Dallas actually played entertaining soccer that night. Like yeah. they were like a different team. Now I don't know if that's the messy effect or the crowd effect, but not just stylistically, but attitude wise and everything, Dallas played like an attacking team. And that made me happy because that's the kind of thing that I want to see this team do. And yeah. ever since then, it's been, it's been like a completely different uh, group of people on the field. Yeah. I, I don't think that that was Allen also was an eight, you know, a very attacking mindset coming out of midfield. You know, I, I don't know the coach liked that though. That's the weird thing. That's going to make like, me not like coach. Oh, no, I know it is. I know it is. You know, the, the thing is, here's the thing, though. I talked to Dan Hunt today, and he said that they're far, far and away ahead of season tickets compared to any other season they've had and even compared to last year. So they're ecstatic about where they are in terms of selling and perception of the fan base and season tickets and, and expectations to be in the seats. So, you know, like you and I talk about the probably being boring, we, and we see the little tail off here at the end of the season. I don't think that they see that. All right, but you know what? Hold on, side note. Yeah. I would love to see a chart of sales of season tickets starting from the messy game to today. Yeah, me and too. I'd like to see like when was the like is that a consistent <laughs> like has 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 that amazing run of season ticket sales, which is going to translate to maybe their highest number ever in in club history? Yeah. Is that something that all happened the majority of in the weeks in the week or week after the the Miami game, or is that a consistent run spread out from that date to today? And I'm going to guess it's the former, not the latter. I would guess that too. And I'm starting to wonder how many people are like, I wait, I bought season tickets for this. Uh. Well, you know, we do hear stories of people saying that they're not going to renew because it is boring. Uh, you know, again, this okay, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, that's know. the flip side of this is yeah. I, I have to admit the level of surprise. I am surprised at the number of people that I have, A, seen in your Discord, B, that I have seen on social media that does not include Facebook, by the way, and C, that I know personally that have all said they are not renewing their season tickets for next year because they just don't like watching this team. <laughs> yeah, well, what I think what the team would tell you, and I would tell you this too, is that people that are complaining make a lot more noise than people that are happy. So I would, I'm True. sure that I they would that. say that, you know, if they if they see a 70% grousing ratio on social media, they're probably used to that. And that what they would point to internally would be, how are we doing in sales? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, you know, and, but I totally agree with you that I'm sure there was a massive Miami bump and it's been tailed off a little bit. So that's the thing is like without being more in their heads and knowing like what they play the most value on, it's hard for me to say whether how hot Nico's seat is. You know, the conversations I've had with them and like the luncheon from two a month and a half ago, you know, they were like, you know, we've got our coach, we've got our TD, we're really excited about the direction this thing is heading, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, unless, unless, and we've also shown before on this channel, the history of the hunts being embarrassed by something and firing a guy. Morrow was after that LA debacle. Clark was after he got knocked out of the playoffs in the first round for the second straight year, even though mm-hmm. he had the best team in the league. You know, they, they have panic pulled the trigger, not panic. That's the wrong word. They've embarrassment pulled the trigger a couple of times, which is an emotional reaction. So if this thing goes horribly south, 
uh, this weekend and they miss the playoffs and it's for, and it's this great massive collapse, you know, then maybe they'll get emotional and do something, but then look back at the way Oscar's team collapsed in, was that 2017 mm-hmm. when they went out all in the champions league and it didn't work and it fell apart. And, but then they didn't fire him because they loved Oscar. So it, that's the thing is how do they feel about Nico up until like a couple of weeks ago? Has it changed? And I don't know that it will have changed. That's the thing is I can't really say that it will have, you know, if, if they miss the playoffs by a goal differential and they're four points out of second place, you know, and yet they miss and they had all these injuries like they're, they're going to come on, dude. Right. I mean, yeah. The only other mitigating thing about that idea of them deciding now's the time to pull the trigger and get rid of Nico pending for whatever reason, they don't make the playoffs or they make it and get blown out in one game or whatever. Is this idea of the Jesus Freira thread that's dangling out there, which is if Jesus is going to go in the winter and you're going to have to have a team without Jesus and in uh, in other words, essentially rebuilding this roster is now not the time to also do that with a new coach. It might be, and, and maybe there's because Oscar's out there, you know, if his right. guy calls. But also think of it this way, though, too, though. The, this coach can go into there and say, okay, without Jesus, dudes, we've been without Jesus for two months now, and I didn't lose a game. <laughs> right? Yes. If, Just saying. Okay, know. but here's what I'm going to say to him, because I wrote this down, because I went back and looked. I was going to say, oh, I know you haven't lost a game, but do you realize that since the start of June... Yeah. June, which feels like an age ago. You've only won four games. You've played yes. 17 games. You've won four of them. You've lost five of them. And the rest of them are ties. Eight of those are ties. Yeah, I'm not saying that you're not, that he's not on the hot seat. I'm just saying that I can't tell if he is. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's yeah. It's impossible I, to get in the owner's heads on this one. I, I just, I think there's a lot of things to be, to have questions about. None of this feels very solid. And, yeah. and, and you can make arguments either way that he's in a perfectly safe position or man, his ass is on fire. You could make those yeah. arguments in yeah. both directions and, and be completely wrong uh, yeah. about it. I'm sure at this point, I mean, with, with Lucci, we saw a three season trend going the wrong direction, you know, and I don't know that that was Lucci's fault necessarily, which is a whole never conversation about what goes on other than the coach. But then before that, Oscar mutually parted ways to try some other things. Shellis, Basically, it was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm kind of done, right? When was the last time they actually fired a coach? <laughs> yeah, Morrow. true. That was like, a, that was over a decade ago. That was that 15 years ago? See, I, without looking, that was like, oh, seven. So, so can yeah. I ask the other question, which okay. is the one that is the one person who I feel like totally skates on criticism out of all of this, which is Andre Zanata? Yeah. Like, I, what is his, like, why yeah. isn't he on the hot seat? Well, because of Peppy Money. Right. Uh, this is anybody the could have sold Pepe. That's I not know, like, that's know, not like a magic trick. No, 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 no. But listen, this this guy's reputation coming in was a guy that was able to make revenue by buying and selling. That was his MO. That was his reputation. And that's basically why they hired him was to do that, was to try and capitalize on the monetary academy. Yet also remember that he got, was it Palmeiras? He got to the, or was it Grimio? Grimio, he got to like the Copa Libertadores final. So the dude has been able to make it work. I'm not saying he's doing that here, but he has been making the revenue here, which is what they wanted. 
I would have said for sure that, man, I was really starting to beginning to question stuff. Well, then he had that really great offseason when they hired Nico. They made three or four great moves that all hit. Okay, well, maybe it's not so bad. Well, then this year didn't really work that greatly. But except that, what did they do? They went and got Ibiaga. Well, that's worked out. They got Yaramendi. Well, that looks pretty good. Ansa's not so great, but that's still two out of three. Frazier looks like a cheap, good value. Junker looks like a cheap, good value. So like the last two years, while Jimenez stinks, you can still look at the numbers on Jimenez. Remember, he's basically free this year. So you roll the dice on a free guy. Maybe it'll make maybe it work. Maybe it won't. Yeah, I don't like you giving know. credit to somebody for rus- for roster fluff. You know, I yeah, like no. Okay. I don't care if he's free. If he's not producing anything, it doesn't make any difference what he cost. Well, I mean, I guess it does if he. I guess if he's super expensive, it does. But if he's not helping on the field, then we just have a conversation about Orlando and finding value at low prices. Yeah, but those guys are actually producing. You don't think Sam Juke is producing? Oh, no, I'm talking specifically about Jimenez. I'm sorry, oh. as, as related to Jimenez. Yeah, Jimenez is junk. That was a roll of the dice. I mean, they, they, they felt like they wanted to get rid of Brandon. Yeah, but that seems like it. such a critical position to just be a yeah. to be a dismissive roll of the dice. Yeah, well, they needed they wanted a veteran body. I think they didn't estimate how, you know, Jesus was going to be out as long as he was. Milato hasn't really paid off. You know, I'm not saying it's 100 percent. I'm just saying that, like, I think I think the last two years have probably done enough for Zanata that not me, that his owners like where he's at, yeah. like the profit. You know, it's, there's there's some good things that he's done the last two years that look pretty good. You know, I can't... Up until two years ago, I was really worried, other than the making the big money off the Academy guys, all of his moves seem to not be paying off. You know, and there's still some guys that are looking to clear out of here. So it'll be interesting, in my opinion, they're looking to clear out of here. It'll be interesting to see what happens this winter when you got you may have some more opportunity to do some things and we'll see how he does, you know, because hmm. there've been some big misses too. Cause you have to look at him. The biggest issue for a guy like him, and it's probably not, he's not hundred percent responsible for it, but the Grezzo to Tiago Santos to Facundo slide was rough and probably is the reason Lucci got fired in the end. Oh, absolutely. You know? was. So, you know, there are definitely some things you don't like, but there are some deals that I think have made sense to me. You know, like I was pretty annoyed about the legit thing until we got this updated number. And now I'm like, oh, now, see, that's fine. You know what I mean? So mm. there's always context to all these things. And, and I don't think what's happening here is enough that they're like, clean house, fire everybody. You know, it's not, I don't, I don't see it. Okay. You know? Well, that does lead us to decision day, which is this yeah. Saturday. It's not Sunday. It's Saturday. And uh, Dallas obviously has to go to L.A. to play the Galaxy, which has a, a pretty salty home record, at least uh, of late, I believe I'm correct in saying. Is that not right? Isn't Dallas been, isn't L.A. been fairly good at home of late? I think that sounds right. I think they've had a couple of good results. I'm looking right now. Yeah. Uh, so their home run recently, they tied against Salt Lake. They tied Portland. They beat Minnesota. Tied St. Louis, tied. Uh, oh, this is working out perfectly for Dallas. All we need yeah, is a point. So, yeah. uh, since uh, they're undefeated, yet they've really. a, a roll of ties. Yeah, they're about the same as Dallas at home. But yeah, no, a point won't get it done. Oh, it won't. No. No, oh, you that's win. right. Now you got it. You do have to win. Yes. I mean, depending on what else happens, a point is not a guarantee. No, that's true, because uh, just to remind everybody, Kansas City and Minnesota, which are two points behind San Jose and Dallas, 
at 10th and 11th play each other in Kansas City at the exact same time. A winner of either, if either one of those teams win, which you're hoping for is a draw, right? Yeah. Okay, but if either one of those teams win, the problem for Dallas is that if Dallas doesn't win and only gets a draw, both of those teams actually beat Dallas on the first uh, league yeah. tiebreaker, which is total numbers of wins. So try and make it as short as possible. <laughs> Kansas City and Minnesota are right behind you, and if they tie, you're in. That's the easiest way to think of that. Mm-hmm. And if you win, you're in. So basically, like, other than that, you need to keep two people behind you. So, like, if one of the teams behind you wins, that's bad. You know, if you get a point, it gets a lot easier. If you get a tie, it, then you only have to have one of, like, five different possible things happen and you're in. You know, if Portland were to lose, if San Jose were to lose, if Sporting and Minnesota tie, like, if you get a point, it gets a whole lot easier, but you could still miss. I mean, winning, the, the bottom line is winning, you're in. You know, just take care of your business and it's done. You know, they still have they they're one of these situations where even if they tie or lose, they can still get in because the other people need to do things to pass you. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the, the other sporting in Minnesota and San Jose are all in the position of we need Dallas to not do good so we can pass them. You know, they're where we have been many times before. You know, and Dallas is in the good position of being slightly ahead of all those teams. So it, they don't need a lot to go right. They just need a little bit to go right and they'll be in. There's like 20 different scenarios. So it's hard to go through them all. Basically, it's just stay ahead of other people. <laughs> That's the short version. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just so people know and have been paying attention, LA Galaxy have not been on the best run of late. They are, they last won a game back in late September against Minnesota at home. And since then, they've uh, went on the road tied in Austin 3 3, tied Portland at home 3 3. Uh, uh, lost to Seattle in Seattle, lost to Minnesota in Minnesota, and tied Salt Lake. The crazy part about that run, Buzz, yeah. is that in that run of games, they scored four goals, three goals, three goals, mm. one goal, two goals, two goals. Well, this comes down to Dallas defense, doesn't it? Because that's basically, you know, there's there's a there's a note on Dallas that effectively if the other team scores twice, Dallas loses. You know, pretty much. So you're going to have to go out to L.A. and get them shut them down. Yeah. Dallas has run about that same time. They have allowed one goal, one goal, one goal, one goal, zero, one and one. And they've essentially, other than the Real Salt Lake game, uh, scored the same amount of goals as their opponent. Yeah, that's the thing is Dallas's defense is pretty dang good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the offense is the problem, you know. So you know, in a lot of ways, that's the thing is like if if you if uh, if you want to if you if you need a team to go on the road and get a point and close down the other team, this is it. Dallas is your team. Like this is what they do. So did you? I am just now realizing. I didn't realize this. I'm going to ask you this question, Buzz. Maybe you've yeah. already noticed this. When was the last time Dallas played the Galaxy? Oh, it's way early in the season, isn't it? Back like in May or something. It's the first game of the season. Oh, they they end they started and ended the season with uh with uh with um the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At Dallas, they lost to Dallas three one. Wow, well, was their first game three. of the season. Yeah, this current Dallas ain't scoring three. No, not the they're not. They're Good yeah. lord. All right, so yeah. that leads me to this question. Um, what do you think he's going to do for a lineup? 
Well, here's the problem. Wow. Is this is this something you learned in training today? Is this the injury yeah, report? It is. Is this the bummer report? It is. Oh no. Wait, let, let's see. Okay, no, just go ahead and tell me. Okay, everybody. so Facundo was nowhere to be seen, which means that he's been out for two weeks basically. So he's Is he on the injury list? He was questionable last week, so I'm not buying questionable. If he was still missing today, that means that it's worse than I think and that he's letting on. So I would not count on Facundo at all being available. I'm assuming they'll probably list him as questionable, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him way more than that because as far as I know, it's now you know over two weeks since he's even trained at all. Um, and then the other side of the coin that is not really exciting is that E.R. Mindy, who was trained today, walked out of the session uh, with the trainer having a conversation. So I'm going to call him unlikely, unlikely or questionable or whatever you want. So unlikely sounds more polite and pleasant. (laughs) So what, what, what matters in all that conversation is that effectively we're looking at the exact same situation we were last week, which is both those guys are at best questionable. And I don't think you can assume they're going to play. I think you have to assume they're both not going to play, which means that you're looking at Frazier Paxson again. Well, if you're trying to get the game to be zeros, that's fine. Frazier's fine. If you're trying to break down a low block, Frazier's not fine. You know, Coach, of course, when I asked him, you know, I asked about this particular shape not having ER Mindy because you don't have anybody that can basically double line break, which is what you need against a low block. You know, you need when you're playing this with the hole, there's no there's no 10, right? So because mm-hmm. Jesus is up front and O'Brown's up front, so there's this hole in Iramani is the only person that can pass through that hole. So without him, that doesn't work. And you have to go wide and to fire all these balls in the box, which is what you saw against Colorado until Yaramidi came in. And they changed the whole thing immediately, right? Which is why I said, oh, should have brought him in 10 minutes ago. You know, um, so the th- same thing is true. You know, you're looking at the same thing, basically. Do we know what uh, Ilara's injury is? Is it no. like a, a muscular? I don't. I don't know. Feelings? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not his feelings. Not that guy. So you know, it's a little too chilly for him lately. Yeah, for his liking. <laughs> <laughs> too cold. No. Um, so you know, if you talk about the rest of it, it's all pretty obvious. Um, Farfan, um, Nikosi, Ibiaga, uh, Imatomasi, Those are givens at this point. Frazier Paxson, I'm assuming it's the same four, sort of 442 again. Now, let me be very clear. We talk about a 442 all the time. This coach doesn't think of things the way we think of things. Um, and this is a this is a segue, but like for example, I was talking to him about a, a 433 once. Um, and he called up 433, he called it a 2323. Mm-hmm. Because a 23 defensively is what I call the the Nico W. I've referred to that, right? Where the six is there and the outside backs are stepped up. He called that a two, three. Well, in my mind, that's a back four with a six. But so th- this is the idea again of modern coaches don't talk about shapes. They talk about occupation of space. So this four, four, two is going to exist. It's the same in his mind. It's the same shape they play all the time, which is also funny because he and I have had a conversation recently about, how you want to play pretty consistently the same way so that people aren't confused about it. And yet we look at the game and we see different formations all the time because it's not about that. It's about occupation of space. That's the same. So he's, it'll be the same Frazier Paxson more than likely it seems set up with Velasco sort of on that left side, left wing where he can come outside, he can come inside and occupy, occupy the whole 
Obreon will be in the channel more than likely with Jesus. Also with Jesus, the freedom to move in, move out, occupy that hole. Ariel on the right, same thing. Outside, inside, occupying that hole. So they're playing the same way they play all the time. How you define exactly where these guys are playing is not written in stone is the deal. Now, in my opinion, I thought they were way better when Velasco was clearly occupying a center spot, playing as an eight, like a double eight look. Buzz, you don't have yeah. to qualify it as your opinion. It's actually a fact. They were playing better <laughs> okay. when he was playing in the center. Just don't feel like you have to. Yeah, all right. So sometimes I feel like it's necessary because I'll say things like that. People are like, no, no, it was way better than that. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But this I is think your podcast. You do yeah. whatever the hell you want and say whatever right. the hell you want. But then, you know, the coach didn't obviously agree with, you know, in his mind, Velasco as this wing outside thing with the freedom to come in there is effectively the same thing. It's about occupation of space. So, you know, what matters more is the opposition choosing to play or choosing to be a low block like both San Jose and Colorado have done. So that'll be the thing that'll dictate the most how this game looks is if LA tries to play and LA does want to try and play. Usually they're usually a team that wants to get at you. They, they got nothing some, to lose. They and... got Puig who's a baller and a half, you know, they got dudes that are going to want to come and get at it. Right. So if the game opens up and LA wants to play, that actually will benefit Dallas. You know, it's if teams that low block, it caused them immense, immense amounts of problems, you know, so you can look for the same kind of attempt to play, against LA that you saw the last several games, I'm pretty sure by what I've been witnessing. So um, whether or not it's effective or not will depend on what LA does. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, I don't, do you want to, do you want to predict what you think the outcome's going to be? A tie. <laughs> yeah. I really do think it will be, you know, I, I don't think that would make the most sense. Yeah. In the scheme of things. this, this team is really good about keeping the game really close and really tight. Whether you like that or not is not what we're talking about. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a one goal game, pretty much. You know, whether it's one zero or one one or whatever, you know, the question will become: Can the difference maker for Dallas, which at this point is just Jesus? Or and maybe a little bit of Allen. Like last game, Allen was the difference maker with his free kick, and he rose to the occasion and had a great, amazing free kick. Can one of those two guys do something to win this game? Because you're, I'm pretty sure you're not going to have Yarmini to do it. You know, Bernie's still going to be with the 23s, I believe. So that really leaves you just Allen or Jesus. Can one of those guys do something to win this game or not? And I'm going to say that they're not. They're not both going to. So that means a tie, like a one-one tie. You know, mm. you get a goal out of one of those guys, and that'll be about it. So maybe somebody. So what you're then counting on is Kansas City and Minnesota drawing against each other, and it's at Kansas City. And if you want to just kind of, since we've been doing comparisons of form, Kansas City has had a they haven't won two games in a row since uh, probably six eight weeks ago. They've been trading win loss yeah. win loss. But at home, their run of late is they beat Houston a few weeks ago two one. They lost to Nashville at home uh, the, the game before that, but they did have a pair of back-to-back -back home wins against San Jose and St. Louis, of all things, uh, you know, probably a beginning of September, I think that is when that was. Yeah. Uh, end of August, early September. So they, you know, I, 
they got everything to play for, and pulling off a win against Minnesota, who obviously fired their coach a few weeks ago, feels like that's very likely to happen. I mean, if you were going to put money well, on this, yeah, them them winning that game is probably a safe bet. Well, if, if, if Dallas does indeed tie, there's actually three different things that could happen that could still get them in. If, if Portland loses to Houston, Dallas will be in. If San Jose loses or ties Austin, then Dallas will be in. And if Sporting and Minnesota tie each other, Dallas is in. So there's three ways, even if you tie, there's three ways you're still getting in if any of those, any of those three scenarios happen. Because mm-hmm. Dallas, again, is not bottom. Dallas is eighth, right? So there's three teams behind them. So all you need is basically like one of those scenarios to happen, and it'll be enough teams behind you that you'll be in. So it's a tie. It's not the end of the world. You know, the, the San, Dallas doesn't have to do all the work here. They just have to do a little bit of work. Or, or win, and it's over. That's, would- you know. Can I just be the contrarian and say sure. it'd be really neat to go into the playoffs with a win? It would be super awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be nice not yeah. to back into the playoffs. <laughs> well, I, I predicted two weeks ago that it would be tie, tie, and miss. You know, that, that Portland That's right, will win, yeah. San Jose will win, and then Sporting, either Sporting or Minnesota will win, and Dallas will tie and miss. That's, that's my prediction, Do you, basically. Are you sticking with that? No, I think some somebody is going to f- screw up. You know, between those three things, I mean, I think I think I think the game will be a tie just because of this team does. But then I think one of those things will not happen. You know, Houston's going to do you a favor, or Austin's going to do you a favor, or you call it Lucci if you want. Yeah, because I can't you know? imagine San Jose not getting a result against Wayward Austin. Well, it's the same. You know, they have the same problem that Dallas does. You're playing a team; they're fighting for jobs. You know, Wolf's keeping his job, so you're guaranteed that he's going to gut that team or at least put a big turnover on it. And so he's going to be standing in that locker room going, you want to be here next year? Let's go. Hmm. You know, so they're going to come out fighting. Lucci's fighting for the playoffs, you know, so he'll want to pull the shoot and screw it up. So, <laughs> you know, Portland's got an interim coach. They're all playing for that. Miles Joseph trying to show that they're actually a good team, fired their coach even though they're in seventh place, you know. They've really rebounded, and Houston's got it all wrapped up, so they're not going to play very hard. So, you know, Portland's probably going to win. I mean, they, they, they've set themselves up. So it'll be a fun decision day, I'll tell you that. Oh boy, will it. Uh, yeah. There's an early slot of games at 5.30, I think, and then uh, the other games happen at, um, at, yeah, they start at 5. 5, sorry. They start at 5, and the second slate starts at 8. So Dallas is at 8 o'clock. You know what Dallas usually do, does when we write them off going to L.A. is that they roll, roll out a big result and beat L.A. 3 nothing. Yeah, that's and true. They've done that twice <laughs> that I can remember. Once in the playoffs back in like 99. Oh, the other time was yeah. the Open Cup game where they went out and shredded. You know, I think it was a cup game with Undershellis. They went out and did that. The, no, the playoff game was the game that just absolutely blew my hair back because it was the most unexpected yeah. result in the club's history and was a fantastic result. Was that in 2010? Was that part uh, of the run to the I think MLS that cup? was. Yeah, I think that yeah. was part of the run to MLS Cup. And it is funny, you know, going back to the Colorado tie of last weekend, it is weird how teams just, that team, Colorado, is yeah. this team's bogey team. No question. I mean, <laughs> you can just always assume when you really need, like if if it's in the middle of June or at the beginning of the season, a Colorado game, it, it, you know. Meaningless you have Colorado no games, you blow them out, yeah. Yeah, it, but when it, yeah. the game actually means something, whether it be counting you getting into the playoffs or in the playoffs, Colorado is always going to trip this club up. Just no question about it.
Somebody on Twitter was like, I don't want to hear about no bogey team. I was like, but they are. They are. <laughs> they just are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's frustrating like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's m- move through the run sheet. Uh, we talked about the salary stuff. Uh, anything else from training that you saw today? Any any good news, Buzz? Can you, can you anybody <laughs> hitting bangers at practice that makes us feel hopeful yeah. for the game? Well, you know, it, it is training, but like the, they they were working on some offensive sets that look pretty good, you know. And but again, training is training, games game. You know, I, I I watched practice and felt pretty good about what I was seeing. Um, a couple of North Texas guys were in camp. That was fun to watch. You know, guys like Dylan Lacey or Diego Garcia, who just got back from the US U seventeen team. Mulata was back. My 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 boy Malachi Molina was there. Uh, Malachi, as you like to call him. Pondeca, who's coming up for North Texas and been really good lately. He he was up. Oh, Sebastian Legette was there. Yeah, Sebastian Legette was um, outside cutting, running cones, flags, kicking occasional ball. So he's got to be close to return. Just in case they make the playoffs. Just in case they make the playoffs. It looks like Sebastian Legette knock on Was he wearing his engagement ring? I did not look. But he was in full uniform and he was in really good spirits. And so he must be close to return. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it'll be this weekend, but, um, you know, next weekend maybe. So, or maybe a midweek game. I don't know. So that's cool. I mean, it's a nice, good piece, good player. He was getting better before he got hurt. So, you know, that's a positive win that he's back. Buzz, when I post Becky G engagement ring updates in the <laughs> Discord, does that annoy you? No, no, no. Okay. It's not my bag, but, you know, I know people <laughs> care about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Becky for those Lush. not paying attention, Becky G appeared on an NPR Tiny Desk episode yeah. without her engagement ring. So I she, don't know did, if she be did a... have a ring on that finger, though, did she not? Yes, she appeared to, but it was absolutely not the giant solitaire diamond engagement ring that she showed off yeah. uh, a lot to the media uh, post engagement. So, uh, well, my wife those... will sometimes not wear the bangles out when she's somewhere doing whatever, you know. The the glitter that you've yeah. you've draped her with. I mean, glitter is relative. Everything's relative. I'm not Sebastian <laughs> Jet, and she's not Becky G. But you know, there's still real versus fake. You know, it's like, she's you know. Amy C. Yeah, she's not Becky G. I mean, does your wife occasionally not wear her fancy jewelry when she's going someplace public? There might be, you know, uh, she has no fancy jewelry. Fair, that's mm-hmm. true. Should have known. I refuse to give it to her. All the money's in the car. That's right. <laughs> and corgis. That's right. The corgis got all all yeah, of our money, money goes to corgis. Yeah. Um for yeah. sure. All right. Anything else that we need to cover today, Buzz, in this episode? Yes. The uh the the Dallas Cup has a new director of I operations. Saw this. Yeah. Uh Frank Philo, who's been there for years, by the way. So the reason it's important and it's interesting is because A, I love the Dallas Cup. But it's to me, this feels like a change in uh, structure in the sense that Frank is, is not now like the, um, the, the he's not filling the position that was vacated. He's now director of operations. I mean, he's running all the tournaments and all that stuff, which leads me to believe maybe there's now a division of duties where there'll be somebody hired to do um the big brand buys and buy-ins and big team recruiting, you know, in the international stuff, the broadcasting, there'd be a person who's more of a businessy CEO to go with Frank who reports directly to the, um, according to the information directly to the 
uh, board of directors. So it feels like a different kind of uh, take for me on the Dallas Cup. So if you're a Dallas Cup guy, I think it's fascinating. And I am the Dallas Cup guy. I love the Dallas Cup. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. What comes to fruition? Yeah, we'll... Uh, we'll and Andy ghosted for... me when I texted him and asked him what the hell's going on. So Who, that. Philo? No, Andy. Oh, Andy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, He's well, <laughs> uh, that either that means one of two things I can share with you, Buzz. It either oh. A, means that you've asked him a question he is unable to answer for legal or <laughs> a, uh, appropriate reasons, yeah. or B, that means he's, like, in, I don't know... Belize. Uh, Belize, yes, or <laughs> El Salvador or some CONCACAF nation trying yeah. to screw together a CONCACAF Nations League match with uh, bailing wire and duct tape. It is the international <laughs> window, so I will. Yeah, I, I'm 99% sure because he's doing he's with me this weekend to do the show. Um, we are we have a show this weekend, but he was out of town last weekend, and I think he had to f- fly out. I think he was back in Jamaica. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, well, I'm sure you know Frank. I've known Frank for years. Yes. You know, great dude. He played for the Psychics way back in the day, which I didn't know. So that's cool. He has a son, doesn't he? David Philo. I have not met his son. I don't I don't know that. But I, I know that, uh, you know, he's been carrying a lot of heavy load over there um, since Andy left. So you yeah. know, credit to him. That he's going to have this increased role and increased title. And uh, he's a good guy to run their operations. Perfect for that job. Which leads me to believe that there needs to be a Andy Swift style international man of mystery to run some of the other things which are really important for that mm. tournament. Uh, can we do? Can I share Kit talk? Yeah, with you real Hit quick. It. Yeah. So I am now the proud owner of a Venezia third jersey from this season. The oh. blue, the navy blue and white, horizontal hooped long sleeve. With the red collar, and it is marvelous. Yeah, it is beautiful. You shared a picture of that. It's really I, nice. I look like a guy, when I wear it, I look like I should be paddling a gondola around the canals. Because <laughs> that's what the whole idea of it is of modeled after. Yeah. But it is really nice. A friend, of, a friend of mine went to a Venezia game last week. He was actually at the game that both Tanner and Busio scored at, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I got a video of Tanner scoring that goal. It was great. And, and I was like, please, if you go, please get me a Jersey. And this is what he brought back. Busio needs to move on from there. He's regressing there. That's not a good place for him. Uh, my friend who has a soccer brain in which I respect very greatly, his comment was first off. And I thought this was interesting. He was shocked at the lack of quality overall at Seri B, the Seri B level. Now, again, this was Venezia versus Parma, I think it was, uh, but he was surprised at the overall level, and he his uh, his judgment was that both Busio and Tanner both could clearly be playing at higher higher levels. They yeah. were two of the better players out on the field that day, Tanner specifically. And his his comment was Busio struggles with the physical nature of that league, which apparently he was surprised how physical it was. Yeah. Tanner essentially just sloughs it all off like water off the duck's back because he's bigger than everybody else. Yeah, I would assume without having watched any of it that MLS is better than that league. I probably I yeah. would guess so. Yeah. 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 
you know, I, I'm not going to say MLS is better than AC Milan, but, you know, I am going to say that they're better than League Two <laughs> in that country. Well, it may, yeah. maybe there may be uh, individuals across the league that are better than a lot of individuals in MLS. Sure. But uh, but if you were just going to do an overall league comparison, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. think MLS is probably better than Serie B. Yeah. The MLS is weird in that sometimes they have a more middle of the pack across the board than yeah. other leagues that might have a really, really great team and then some really, really crap teams, you know. And so, sure. But as a collective league, I think MLS is better than, I mean, you know, almost every else, everybody else's second division is going to be worse than MLS. Yeah. I hate making these comparisons because they're so complicated to do. And there's so many kind of uh, con- con- contextual things that you can't really get into without really making it all t- everybody hot, tired head. Nuances, nuance is not allowed on the internet. That's true. It's, yeah. It's, it's hyperbole. Cause I, I realize I realize I just said MLS is better than Serie B, and I'm yeah. gonna and I'm, I just can't like I can start the stopwatch now when somebody's gonna give me a load of crap about that because uh, maybe yeah. I don't even know if I really believe it or not. But anyway, yeah. all right, uh, there you go. All right, now anything else, sir? I don't think so. I mean, that's that was a good amount of stuff, you know, for a drab one-one draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see Velasco's free kick? I did, yeah. How good was that? That was nice, right? It was fantastic. Yeah, yes, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> I just it was the only goal of the game for them. <laughs> well, as long as let's just let's just look ahead a, a tiny bit. As long as the team is still in, you know, we'll keep covering the team for this season and talk about who they're matched up against and who they're going to do this, that, and the other. And then once they are eliminated, which will be before MLS Cup, I assure you. Then we'll get into all the off-season shenanigans about who stays, who goes, coach stay, coach go, you know. Oh, you mean like yeah. every other year? Yeah, like every other year. So, because every once in a while people will say, how come you guys don't talk about X, Y, and Z? It's like, because we got a long winter. <laughs> we got to hold that stuff for the winter, man. <laughs> can't, can't, can't do it all right now. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, there we go. Saturday night, 8 p.m. local time on the Apple TV Plus. It is decision day. You're your boys, they're uh, curious, have to get the three points. They really, really need to pull a win out of their butt for the first time in quite some time. Yeah, they really do. I'm not going to hope for it, though, because it's, it's probably not going to happen. Last win was uh, September 21st. Mm. And it was on the road at Salt Lake, so okay. So less less than a month ago. Yeah, hadn't even been a month. What is everybody so down about? Yeah, And they haven't okay. lost since then piece of cake they got five really exquisite draws <laughs> since then they've played five games scored four goals and allowed four goals i i i think if uh if jesus will play with a little more discipline that this thing will be fine okay. if, if he'll go wandering on the field less i, I appreciate your attempt to end this podcast on a positive note yep trying to keep it real Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. MLS Decision Day is here, and Soccer90.com has the deals to make sure you're outfitted and ready to go. Starting on Friday the 20th, get 40% off on all MLS apparel. 40%. That's incredible. That includes FC Dallas gear, of course. Jersey scarves, tees, hats. MLS sale this weekend. It ends Sunday. Hurry up and take advantage of this. Man, 40%. That's ridiculous. 
Now, of course, if you want non-MLS stuff, you can still get 20% off with the code 30 at checkout. Some exclusions do apply. Thank you, Buzz. You're the best, my friend. Thank you for being here, Peter. As always, I love to do this. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you next week after Decision Day, hopefully with a playoff game on the horizon on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Where's Dan? Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree. The Green Air Podcast.